Hey, didn't Cecil and Debbie do an amazing job last week when they were sharing about how y'all should leave the church? I'm kidding. They didn't. I don't know what we're going to do with this group. I don't know. They're too serious. Um, last week, we, we kicked off the end of the series, and, you know, we've talked about family fight. We've talked about some really weird stuff like family fighting and all that, um, but family to give you all kinds of things that family does, right? Family stays, family shows up, all the things. But last week we started talking about how family leaves. And um, I just, I, I know it was kind of weird. Like, who does that? Who, who as a church teaches their people how to leave the church, right? But we just feel like it's super important because we know that we have a mandate to empower you for the kingdom, right? A lot of times churches want to empower their people to stay at the church forever and make it the greatest church in the town. And all. we just feel like we have a mandate to empower the church to go build the kingdom, which means you may stay here and you may not, right? But when, when the time comes and God says, hey, set apart and to send you out, we want to make sure that we do it the right way. And so I just, that was so practical last week. Um, it just reminded me how much, and I know Cecil's watching this. He's not feeling that great, and he's waiting on God to touch his body. But um, I just want to say this out loud while he's watching it. Last week reminded us all of why you're our favorite. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Cecil's great, but Debbie's fantastic. Um, it was so good. Are y'all good? Are you Okay. Got the post Thanksgiving blues or something. I don't know what's going on here. Um, just to re- just to remind you, we're not trying to tell you to leave, right? We just want to make sure that when the time comes, if the time comes, you do it the right way. Um, Acts chapter twenty, verse twenty-seven. These are all like pre- preferential, no, prefacing verses before we get to what I want to teach you this morning. But Acts chapter 20, verse 27 gives us an insight about something, maybe when it might be time to leave a church. Um, Paul is talking to the Ephesian elders, and he says to them, I never stopped from proclaiming the whole counsel of God to you. In other words, he says, when I was your pastor, I always preached the full gospel to you. So if you're in a church and... And you feel like that church isn't preaching the whole counsel of God, that might be a time to say, huh, not I'm out, but I'm going to schedule a meeting, right? I will say this, as a pastor, I've been blessed a few times, and I mean this honestly, it's a blessing when people come to me and say, can I ask you a question about And it's fantastic. And sometimes the answer is, I'm glad you asked because I can clear that up just like that. And sometimes the answer is, I'm really glad you asked because I need to ask God to help me be better, right? Like that's a gift. Feedback is a gift. And so if you felt like, hey, at the gathering, they don't preach the whole counsel of God, before you jump on social media and tell people that, you should probably come tell me that you don't feel like I'm preaching the whole counsel of God. And I'm telling you, if you came to me and told me that, I would, I would be like, thank you. Now, help me be a better pastor, right? So just know that's, if you had that conversation and I was like, well, you're just an idiot, <laughs> right? 
I mean, there comes a point where it's like, I'm going to have to go somewhere where I can hear the whole counsel of God, like good doctrine, sound theology, and be challenged to implement that doctrine and theology, right? Like, that's a good, that's not a bad thing. It's also okay to leave when you're being sent. Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back. I'm sorry, I'm reading the wrong verse. Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through 3 is when they were praying, and as they were praying and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart Paul and Barnabas for a work, right? And that's what we've been praying for over You didn't know that. Like, we, we pray all the time, God, send people out. Ekbalo, people from the gathering. And ekbalo is a, is a Greek word when, um, when Jesus said, pray to the Lord of the harvest and ask him to send laborers into the harvest field. The Greek word is ask him to ekbalo laborers into the harvest field. And ekbalo is the same word that's used when Jesus would cast out demons. So really what we're saying to God is, you're the Lord of the harvest. Now look at this church, look at these church people that aren't doing what you called them to do and now cast them out into the harvest field. We pray that over you. I don't know if you knew that. I'm like, God, ekbalo the gathering, right? I pray that you have a, a Paul and Barnabas experience where, like, you're sent out as you're fasting, as you're praying, not whenever he sends me, I'll start fasting and I'll start praying, but this is my life. I'm hungry for the Lord, the more of God, and as I'm in a position waiting on him, he says, mm-hmm, I can use those people, send them out. Ekbalo them. That's another good time to lead the church. It's hard uh, can I get an amen from the second row? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, man, I've prayed those prayers. God, I'm available. And he's like, sweet. And then he sends you, and you're like, oh. It's like when you pray for patience, and then you get behind every slow car, right? That's the way that works. So those are, I just want to make sure you know that we believe at the gathering. There are times to leave. But like Debbie, just, you did such a great job last week. Even when it's time to leave, You'll never leave without a conversation if you're leaving the way God wants you to leave, right? Because family matters, and family leaves. Let's finish that up this morning, okay? Um, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 12 through 15, I just want to read this to you again. This is, the, this is where the family leaving comes from. Peter writes, so I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth. You now have. I know that not everybody comes to church like every Sunday, so I'm just going to mention this again. I mentioned it last week when I read this. Sometimes we can buy the lie that we're so grounded in doctrine and we're so grounded in the truth that we don't need to hear the old stuff anymore. But what Peter just said was, I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established, right? So when we get to the place where we're like, Pastor, I've heard the story of the prodigal son a million times. I know how it ends. He's going to feed the pigs. He's going to want to eat the slop. He's going to turn around. There's going to be a party. Older brother's going to be mad. I've heard it all before. Yeah, well, then stop reading the Bible because you've read it before. But I've read verses thousands of times, and then that one time it's like, what? I never saw that before. Never Put yourself in a position where you're like, don't tell me the stuff I already know. I want to be grounded and reminded over and over again. And that's what Peter's saying. 
He says, I think it's right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of his body because I know that I will soon put it aside as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. And I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. I told you this last week that that was the verse that really fueled my ministry because the God said there will always be a goodbye. And you've got to prepare people for that moment so that after the goodbye, they can continue, right? Now, I've lived long enough to have said goodbye to people who didn't, like, move to other cities, but they literally left here and went to heaven. And I can tell you, on the other side of those goodbyes, it's hard. But you know what you start thinking about? You start thinking about what you know for sure that that person implanted in you. We were, I mentioned we are at a church planners gathering um, we, we just get the honor of being on a team that assesses potential church planners, right? And so we get to hear them talk about their passion, the city that they want to go plant in. They get to tell a little bit of their story, and they get to preach a little bit so we can see if they're good at it, right? Or at least faithful, whatever. And so we were talking in the car this morning on the way to church. We're just so full, right? Because we've just seen people, like, talking about faith and taking steps of faith and this this one lady was preaching and she referenced her father so many times and she kept saying this I'm so thankful for what my father deposited in me and you could just see like she's I don't know how old she is she might be like in her 40s but like you could just see what I'm going to talk about this morning this cycle of generations passing to the next generation and into the next generation and then just like the race isn't just about me. I have a leg to run, but when my leg is over, my calling is to hand it to you so that you can go run the race that God's marked out for you. And to hear that woman talk about, man, my dad, he prayed, he prayed over me, he poured into me, he deposited. And so when, when people pass away, we start to think about what they put in us. What do people invest in you? And when we think of it that way, we don't want to waste the investment, right? Acts chapter 13. These are verses for you to write down. Acts chapter 13, verse 36 says this. Now, when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. Y'all, I pray that that could be said about me. That Paul didn't fall asleep, Paul didn't die until he had served the purpose of God in his generation. And you want that too? I want people to say, man, Paul did, he did what God told him to do. He served, David served God's purpose in his own generation. He fell asleep, he was buried with his ancestors, and his body decayed. But what I want you to see is that it's not just about me living out the purpose of God for me in my generation. And then... Woohoo! I'm a part, part of my purpose is preparing another generation to then serve God's purpose in their life and in their generation. And so if David, like, if he served God's purpose and he was like, at, and he died, if he got to heaven, it'd be like not thinking about the next generation. I don't know if I ever ran track. Anybody here run track? I love the 4 by 100 relay, right? And a lot of what I'm going to share with you today, I have to be honest, Winnie and I, we, we got to hear Christine Kane preach one time, and she talked about, like, the exchange zone, and it just marked us, right? So I'm going to share a lot that God's shown me, but it all came from that message. I just don't have an Australian accent, but wouldn't that be awesome if I did? Cheese fries, please. That's all I got. That's all I got right there. That's it. That probably wasn't even, like, that was, like, 
Australia and um, Arkansas or something. I don't know. <laughs> okay, let's just keep going. If, if we're only living to serve our purpose in our generation, then that would be like somebody who has the first leg of the relay race. They run their 100 meters, and then they just start celebrating. Yeah, I was the fastest. They're looking at the other three losers like I beat all y'all, right? The problem is the race isn't over. And so we're celebrating that you were the fastest in your leg, but you didn't prepare the next people. You didn't pass off the baton so that they could then run the rest of the race. Nobody does that, y'all. Relay racers don't celebrate that they were the fastest runner in their leg. They celebrate when their team wins. This exchange zone where they pass off the baton, this is what we're called to do. I'm not sure that a church pays attention to this. We read stuff like David serving his purpose, and we're like, God, let me do that. Help me serve the purpose of God in my generation. But this is part of our purpose. Psalm 145, verse 4. I teased this Wednesday night to our prayer, our prayer team. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. Some translations say one generation praises your works to the next generation. It's an interesting way to word it, right? But in my mind, I see a transfer. I see one generation gives, they commend, they pass off to the next generation. And so I looked up that Hebrew word, because I get into that kind of stuff, and the Hebrew word for the word commend, check this out. It means to soothe, to still, to stroke. It also means to laud, to praise, to commend. It means to boast. The word is shabak. And it literally means to address in a loud tone, to pacify. It's used in Psalm 89.9 to describe how God calms raging seas. Now, okay, I'm just giving you a warning. What I'm fixing to say is really good. So you can't stand, sit there like this, okay? Lean in a little bit. Are you ready? The generation that is being raised right now is the most anxious, depressed, fear-filled generation we've ever seen. I blame it all on the smartphone, but it's more about Satan. Okay? We are constantly connected to the reminder that we're not good enough. And then we wonder why we need therapy. Put this down. And be still. Now check this out. One generation commends, boasts, praises, lauds to the next generation. As we hand off the baton, is it possible, listen to the statement, is it possible that our testimony to the next generation about God's work in our generation is what will soothe the raging seas of depression and anxiety in that generation. It is. Because what we want to do is like, let's put them in the presence of God. Let's have a really good worship service. As a matter of fact, our worship isn't good enough. Let's go to Elevation. And let's get in an environment where we feel it. Oh, I feel it, God. Oh, mm. sing the blessing again. Just let it rip, right? I feel it. And it's good in that moment. I'm not knocking it. It's really good. And I will be next to you at that worship experience, right? But then we'll walk out and get in our cars. 
and it's gone. Why is that? I'll tell you why. Because it's when one generation commends the works, praises. When Pastor Terry was here from the refuge at this year's encounter, I believe it was this year's encounter, she said that she was convicted of not sharing with her daughter the stories of revival that she had experienced. And we were convicted. Like, yo, I've seen a man's leg grow. I've seen money appear in a drawer to give somebody else. I've seen undeniable works of God. And because I shut my mouth and didn't say them, I haven't given anything that can soothe the anxiety of the next generation. Anxiety like, well, if I run for God, will he come through for me? When I say, listen, we didn't have any money, and then there were $7,100 bills in, our, in a, the drawer in my, in my office at a church when we needed it, when I say that to people who are fixing to take the baton and run, guess what they go? They go, oh, well, if he did that for you, he could do that for me. Because one generation just commended the next generation. They just said, look, don't be anxious because if my God did it for me, my God will do it for you. That's what that verse means, y'all. We're the ones, parents, teachers, leaders, body of Christ. Man, we should be talking about the way God moves all the time. And when we do that, people become, like, less anxious. Because if God did it for you, he could do it for me. Which is why we prayed for John. Now, look. No pressure, right? I'm that guy who's like, if we, if we pray for you to be healed, and then I ask you, like, on a scale of 1 to 10, what's your pain? And you're like, well, it was an 8 before you prayed. Now it's a 10. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that because Abraham faced the fact that he was as good as dead, and in his unbelief, he believed. I'm okay with facts because God's greater than facts. But at least we know we should pray again, Right? But the reason that we prayed for him then is because Micah just shared a testimony. And I'm, I'm telling you, you start to go, wait a second, what? He did what for Mary? Was it Marigold? Is that Mar Mar Marigold? That's a color. Okay, I know. That might be the color of the baton. I'm not really sure. But if he could heal her, then he can heal John. Right? That's how faith is built, y'all. From one generation to the next. That's what relay races are all about. That's what we're called to do. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. Paul said, In the things you have heard me say, in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. These are some of the last words written by Paul. As a matter of fact, the words that Peter wrote about upon my departure were the, was the last thing he wrote. So much of what happens as people get older is they start to say words that feel weightier, don't they? Like, what, what if you sat down with somebody and they said to you, this is the last conversation that we're ever going to have? Would that change how you listen? It would change how I listen, right? It would also change what I say. If I was the one having my last conversation with you. And so when, when Paul's writing to Timothy, he says, look, he, this is the same letter where he says, I fought the good fight. 
and now there's laid up for me, right? He knows where he's going. And so he's telling Timothy, look, you've watched me. You've seen me run my leg. Now the things you saw in me, I need you to do those things. And, and not only I need you to do those things, I need you to run your leg, but I need you to run your leg preparing people who will then run their leg. Do you see the relay race in that verse? You saw me do it. Now I need you to do it. I'm entrusting it to you, and I need you to teach people so you can entrust them, and then they'll entrust them. And we call that making disciples at the church. And the goal of God is not to get you to heaven. It's to get you to heaven with a crowd of people coming with you. That's the goal. Things you have seen in me. Paul says, I'm carrying the baton, and I'm going to hand it to you. Entrust those things. You're going to have to pass that baton on and entrust it to people who will then run the race. So let's just talk practically about exchanging this baton. If in a 4 by 100 meter race, you're running 400 meters. Did you see that? Are all good at math? 4 times 100? Some of you are like, I don't do math before 1025. It's 1024. Hang with me. It'll hit you in a second. So you're running a 100-meter leg, and you're running as fast as you possibly can into a 20-meter exchange zone. Now, some of you have already Googled this, and you're going to make sure I'm telling you the truth. Don't lose all this in the numbers. It used to be a 10-meter acceleration zone that would then go into the 20-meter exchange zone, which meant if, you were, if I'm going to run and hand it to Wendy, then when I'm running towards that zone, she can start running next to me in the 10-meter zone to get up to speed so that in the 20 meters we can exchange the baton. But we can't exchange the baton too early. Y'all, are y'all okay? I'm fixing to say something that's going to hit hard. Christians are the worst about doing this. It's going to make some noise. I've been serving in this church forever, and I can't get anybody else to do it. I just quit. You can't... That's about the noise it makes when people quit early, too. You can't just decide to drop the baton because you're tired of running. That's how you lose a race, because once the baton is dropped, you're not going to win the race. Let me pick up the baton, and we'll just reload and do something different. It has to be, but it has to be exchanged in that 20-meter exchange zone. Now, what happens if you hold on to it too long? If you go too long holding on to it, then you're outside the zone. It's cre- I, I, I tried to find as many videos as I possibly could to show you fails, right? But I just there, I couldn't find good ones, and so just know, look up men U.S. men's four by one hundred, and they had like a string of world races and olympic races where they just botched it like they literally had the four fastest runners on the planet and could not win a relay race because they dropped the baton didn't pass the baton they failed in the exchange zone line those four runners up against all the other runners in the race and they would win first second third fourth place but put them together as a team that can't pass the baton and they lost every time. We carry something far more valuable than an Olympic baton. First Corinthians chapter four, verses one through two. Paul says this. This then is how you ought to regard us. So he's basically saying this. Y'all, when you think of me, think of me like this. As a servant of Christ 
and as those who have been entrusted with the mysteries God has revealed. Now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. Y'all, we've been entrusted with the secret things of God. And what is that? It sounds like a secret society, right? Well, cut your finger and give us some blood. No, the secret things of God, you can read it on your own time. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 9 through 14. The secret things of God, that's the gospel. It's like people going, wait, y'all don't even like each other, but you love each other? How does that work? It's a secret. It's a secret, and God wants everybody to know it. His name is Jesus. And he brings people together who don't like each other, and they fall in love with each other. It's crazy how that works, right? And Paul's talking about that. He'll reference that all the time in the, in the book of Ephesians about the mystery of God. And the mystery is this, that Jews and Gentiles came together and ran a race together, empowered one another. That's the mystery. And we've been handed that. You, we live in the most divided culture we've ever known. And the church should stand out right now. We should be running a race with a baton, and people should be like, what are you carrying? Man, something so valuable. This that I'm carrying, this is what brings people together when culture can't get them together. We can't vote the same way. We don't like, no, I, I could ask you right now, is Pepsi better than Coke? And I would start a fight right now because Coke's better, and you all know it. We can't even agree about simple things. You can't agree with your own self about what you want to eat. But we expect the culture to get along without the gospel. Like we've laid it down. So I'll, find it, I'll find another way. This is it, y'all. This is what we've been entrusted with. And if we've been entrusted with something this valuable, then when it comes time to hand it off, we should do the best we can in that exchange zone. So the best baton handoffs work like this. The incoming runner and the outgoing runner are matched the same speed. Do you know that the person going out never looks back? If they have to look back for the baton, they're going to lose the race. The incoming runner has the responsibility to place it in their hand. If you are closer to death than birth, it's your responsibility to pass it along to the next generation. It's not your responsibility to say things like this. Well, I've been at this church for 40 years and I paid the tithes. They better, by God, sing songs the way I like them. Y'all okay? I know y'all are okay because you're like, this church is 11 years old. That can't apply to us. Nobody's been here 40 years, right? I'm telling you, where you work, seniority might count for that. But in the kingdom of God, seniority makes you an older servant. It's your job, it's my job to place the baton in the next generation's hand. To ensure that they can take the baton and just run. We can't drop the baton. You can't run the whole, I would, I would have loved to have found a clip of somebody running the first leg and just holding on to the baton and just going the whole time. 
I bet I could find a clip of somebody who is so fast that they could run the whole 400 meters faster than the other teams could do it as a team. And when they crossed the finish line and beat everybody, they would be just a really fast loser because they disqualified the entire team because they selfishly held onto the baton and said, you can't run it as fast as I can. And so I'm just going to hold on to it. And we wonder why generations leave in church. Oh, no, Paul, they're deconstructing. Yeah, they are. They're also running as fast as possible away from people who don't trust them with this. Because the people that they're hanging out with now, they will give them a baton. Hey, here's a, here's a poster. I need you to go stand in front of the courthouse and hold it. Okay. You, you trust me? Thanks. I'll do it. <laughs> you walk up and go, what's that sign say? I don't know. Somebody just happened to hold it. Hey, we're going to do a parade. You want to come be in a parade? It's actually a protest, but we'll call it a parade. Me? Sure. They're looking for ways to be involved because they're a generation that desperately wants to see things change. And we have what changes people. Not the baton, the gospel. You know what I'm saying? Hand it to them. And take your hands off. And trust that they will run a race. And then cheer for them. My favorite clips of relay races are the people that hand the baton off and they just keep running. I mean, they're not in the race anymore, but they're like running. They're like, they're cheering like, go! They're, they're in it still. We carry this thing for our time in our generation. So can we, I asked, I did ask Justin and Seth if we could do this, and they both said yes. Are you still cool with it? <laughs> Justin just dropped the baton. <laughs> come here, come here, come here. It'll be fun. We should have like, we should, we really should have thought this through. We should have done like, um, we, should, we should have like a whole section do like chariots of fire, like slow motion, like. <laughs> but we didn't think that through and that was just really weird. So there you go, sir. I, th I thought like, we, we didn't organize this at all. Like we're not smart enough to figure this out. But I thought like on the day that we're finishing the Family Matters series, we are literally as a church in real time, watching a baton get exchanged. Now, Seth will fail if Justin holds on to that. Justin's not going to hold on. He's already told me that. He's like, I, please, I want to pass a baton. <laughs> it's like, I want to be in this illustration. I want to give him the baton. But my point is, well, that's my program. Or, or well, that's not how I did it. Well, oh, look at that. It's falling apart. Yeah, they, maybe I should have kept doing it. I mean, none of these are things that Justin thinks, which is why I love him so much, right? But they, this is what's happening. So I want you to get over there. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Come on, come on. Let's have fun with it, right? Let's make the camera people work hard. Hey, Blake, you're doing a great job. Blake, how old are you? I'm sorry, what? I thought you said 40. I was like, what? Blake is 14. Blake is running the video camera. This is called passing a baton, right? Just to make sure you know that. 
Also, Blake's going to be rapping tonight. I'm just plugging him quickly. He's doing a rap that he wrote at the dinner. So I'm coming. I mean, I like y'all, but I'm coming to hear Blake. So anyway, good job. Way to not drop the baton. Or, yeah, because we're still on there. That's good. You're doing great. Okay, so look, go, go further back. Yeah. Further, keep going. Keep going. Keep going. I'm just messing with you now. Come on. Just, okay, well, let's, just, let's go slow motion. You ready? I want, I want to see you run in slow motion, right? It's like he's coming, right? And now listen, this is really important. He's got to be watching. This is to the generation that's younger. You have to be watching. You've got to be watching him come so you're ready to receive. And at some point, come on, let's keep going. I'm just coaching us through this. He's going to have his hand out looking this way so that he can receive and just run, right? And then he's going to be like, But all of that takes place in about one second. Why? Well, they've practiced. Now, this I know you're moving here, but if you were in this church, he would have already had Seth come and preach. And then they would have had a conversation where Justin would have said, it's pretty good. Can I give you some suggestions? Or, as I felt yesterday hearing these church planters preach, Man, they're way better than I am. Like, like legitimately, like it's amazing. We are in good hands, y'all. Like the kingdom is in good hands. He's raising up some amazing people to do amazing things. But all that would have taken place on the practice field long before the race. Why? Because this is way too valuable to wing. You got to practice for this. We want to raise people up. We, I want, I want, Blake, not just to run the camera, wouldn't it be awesome to have Blake preach one day, right? Like to have the next generation do it while they're still young. Like I'm, I'm up here preaching, and we don't care if it's good or not because the wind is just that they're preaching. Are y'all good? It's kind of awkward now. We're just standing here talking. They give them a big hand. They did a great job. This is what we're about at the gathering, empowering people to run their leg of the race, right, so that the next generation can then run their leg of the race. Now, I need to say this. I don't think I'm going anywhere. I feel good. I don't think there's a, there could be a revolt coming that I don't know about. I mean, y'all might be signing petitions. I don't know. I'm not sure, but it would just be a waste of paper. I feel really, I, I'm not preaching this because I'm going somewhere. I'm preaching this because I'm going somewhere. <laughs> Y'all are funny. You're like, that's the same thing. <laughs> Listen, I'm not preaching because I'm going somewhere. I'm preaching because I'm going somewhere. And when I'm gone, there's still a race to run. The only person who gets to drop the baton is the last runner of the race. So, let's test this out. Take a deep breath. Breathe it out. Yeah, you're not running the last leg. You're still here. We're still here. If Jesus comes back, the, the race is over. If you die, your leg is over. But as long as you're breathing, 
You don't get to make the assumption that you're the last one. As long as I'm breathing, I've got a baton to carry, and I've got to find somebody to pass it off to. That's my job. That's your job. That's what we're called to do. Not to hold on to it and just praise God it's the last days and we're going to be out of here. What? No, we got to get people ready to run. We've got to get them ready to take the baton, value it, not drop it, and just jet to the next exchange zone. And all of it happens like that. I, will, I pray that you get the weight of this, that you get the weight of we're going to run the race that's marked out for us. We're going to prepare ourselves to run the best that we can, but we're also going to prepare a generation to then run after us. Would you stand? Now, a lot of this is because I know that the hand of God is on this next generation, 100%. But one thing that we don't do at the church here is we don't try to divide it up by generation. Well, God's really moving into teenagers, and he really loves young adults, and he really loves single men between 35 and 37. We try not to do that right? Because we believe that family matters. So look around, this one big giant family. That's why when, when you have community groups and you, you, you call us up and say stuff like, can we please get child care? And we're like, yes, you can. You're it, right? Like, figure that out because children are part of the family too, right? Like, it's a family thing. So when we use the phrase generation, I believe this is the generation. If you're breathing right now, you are in this generation, in our job, in this generation. If we're going to serve the purpose of God in our generation, is to find a way to pass the gospel off to another person who can run their race. That's how you live the scripture out. Not give me a shiny baton or... I'm going to really pray for Seth and Kristen. No, you're, the way you live this out is you find somebody to pass a baton to. Find somebody that you can bring alongside you and just say, hey, look, follow me. Let's talk. Let's have a Let me get you ready because someday I'm not going to be here. And you're still going to be running a race. And if you're committed to that, I want you just to bow your heads. And I want you just to lift your hands. God, the hands that are up right now in this room, I just, I commend to them, God, the baton of the gospel. Oh, that they would take it and hold it and run with it. And that they would prepare a generation behind them to run with it after their race is over. God, we stand here today in faith. We don't look at the next generation and wring our hands and, and, God, wonder if you can overcome all the things. You've called a generation to you. I believe that you are raising up an end-time army that will take the gospel, this baton, this good news. They will take it to places that we've never dreamed of. And so right now, in Jesus' name, in this room, we agree together. Come on, church, use your words. We just agree together. An anointing on that generation. I pray that you would find us at the gathering a faithful house to train, a faithful house to equip, a faithful house to pass on the baton of the gospel. 
that we would never be those who think we've done it better, said it better, have a better way. We would always be of the ones who would simply say we were faithful in our generation and now you'll be faithful in yours. And I pray, God, that we would, we would recognize and applaud as you anoint and raise up people behind us. As you tap them on the shoulder and say, uh-huh, I see, you, I see you fasting, I see you praying, and it's time for you to be sent out. And that we would be able to follow those people out, God, holding the gospel, running with the baton, and we would cheer them on. Find us faithful, God, at the gathering. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.